Welcome to Everything Yesterday This Morning, a 15 to 20 minute daily recap of headlines you may have missed. Come for the news, stay for the snarky commentary. Good morning and welcome to Monday's edition of Everything Yesterday This Morning. I'm your host, Literally Heather. Ah, good morning, you amazing people. I hope you had a great weekend. You're ready for the upcoming week, LFG. Thank you for allowing me to start your day with a little news and a quick plug for the scary good deals going on this Halloween at Palmetto State Armory. Two links in the show description. The first is for those deals, and the second is for the current ammunition that they have in stock. If you can purchase just a little bit of ammo each week or each pay period, I would encourage you to start doing so. Uh, Just as Judge Benitez breathes a whisper of hope into the citizens of California, Bonta runs to the Ninth Circuit Court to spend some time on his knees so they can rule to block the injunction, which maintains the assault weapons ban, while Bonta appeals the lower court decision that declared the measure unconstitutional. The panel also unanimously agreed that State Attorney General Rob Bonta's appeal in support of the new gun law would be heard on its merits on an expedited basis. But by a 2-1 majority, the Ninth Circuit panel stayed the judge's order, citing the full appeals court finding in a similar case that the Attorney General is likely to succeed on the merits and has shown that California would be irreparably harmed absent a stay. Bonta is a Democrat who called Benitez's decision dangerous and misguided, and he welcomed Saturday's Ninth Circuit order and said, weapons of war do not belong on our streets. This was said pointing to the mass shooting earlier this week in Lewiston, Maine, uh, that claimed 18 lives and left 13 others wounded. Imagine using a tragedy where a man committed the crime of murder, not once, but multiple times, and telling the peaceable people remaining that they do not have a right to protect themselves against the people who are willing to commit murder. The math just doesn't compute in my head. There's no planet where that argument makes sense to me. Then imagine being a judge where your whole job is to answer, does this law violate the constitutional right of Americans? And when the answer is yes, you still let the law remain in place. California in 1989 became the first state to ban, quote, assault weapons, whatever that means, acting in the wake of a school shooting that killed five children and toughening the law the following year. Since then, California has restricted the manufacture, distribution, transportation, importation, sale, or possession of firearms that qualify under the law as, quote, assault weapons. Such guns are defined as those with certain tactical enhancements or configurations designed to make them more dangerous to the public and thus susceptible to criminal use. Benitez declared the same law unconstitutional in 2021, 
but the San Francisco-based 9th U.S. Circuit last year vacated his order and directed Benitez to review the matter further. Benitez last month also ruled California's ban on high-capacity ammunition magazines also unconstitutional, but the Ninth Circuit always there to act completely against the interest of the citizens of the state subsequently allowed that statute to remain in effect while the state appeals. The wheels of injustice move slow as molasses. Okay, so in my lifetime, I think this is a first, but I could be wrong, so don't quote me on that. But the U.S. has stopped issuing export licenses for civilian firearms and ammunition for 90 days for all non-governmental users. The Commerce Department said on Friday, citing national security and foreign policy interests. The Commerce Department did not provide further details for the pause, which also includes shotguns and optical sights, but said an urgent review will assess the risk of firearms being diverted to entities or activities that promote regional instability, violate human rights, or fuel criminal activities. Uh, mean like leaving thousands of dollars worth of military equipment behind in a country full of people who hate us? The Commerce Department declined to comment beyond the posting that was on its website. The halt covers most of the guns and ammunition that could be purchased in a U.S. gun store. Uh, Reeves said, Reeves is uh, Johanna Reeves, a lawyer who specializes in export controls and firearms with uh, the law firm Reeves and Dola out of Washington. Reeves said she has not seen the Commerce Department take such a sweeping action like this before. For sure, they have had individual country policies, but nothing like this. Export licenses for Ukraine and Israel as well as some other close allies, will be exempted from the temporary halt in exports. U.S. companies that sell firearms, including Sturm, Ruger & Company, Smith & Wesson, and Vista Outdoor, could be impacted by the export ban. Overseas customers include distributors and stores that sell firearms. Exporters can continue to submit license requests during the pause but they'll be held without action until the pause is lifted. The pause does not affect previously issued export licenses. For shipments to government, clients, exporters must name specific end users, while applications with unnamed government, military, and police users will be returned without action. I would be really interested to know who the other, quote, close allies are that would be exempted from this ban. I will do my best to research that today. Obviously, anytime there's a mass shooting, it gives the right deniers talking points. But this time, I feel like the talking point resonates and belongs with the people. Let me explain. The main police have revealed. There was a statewide awareness alert issued in mid-September to watch for Robert Card after he made threats against the military base 
and Sacco, Maine. Sacco, Seiko. A month. They were aware a month ago. After searching for Card at his home and the base without success, the agencies moved on. Seiko police chief said, we added extra patrols. We did that for about two weeks. The guy never showed up. We couldn't locate him, Sheriff Mary said, adding that he couldn't recall if there was any follow-up because, quote, I don't have any reports in front of me. Y'all, pro tip, if you're going to be on a national stage in front of 20 or so microphones, you better have prior to that meeting pulled your reports and found out what procedures you followed so you could answer the most basic questions from reporters and the public. The statewide alert comes months after Card was committed to a mental health facility for two weeks in July after acting erratically and hearing voices and threats telling him to shoot up a military base. Officials at Saturday's press conference, however, said they hadn't come across a record showing that Card had been forcibly committed for treatment. The Public Safety Commissioner clarified there appeared to be a, quote, strong mental health cloud over what happened. Is that that what we're calling it now? A strong mental health cloud. I want you guys to keep that in mind as I go through the rest of this story. Card was accused of killing 18 people and injuring 13 others on Wednesday. Law enforcement looked for Card for days following the shooting until they eventually found his body on Friday evening in a box trailer. He appeared to have died by suicide. Card's familiarity with guns as a firearms instructor in combination with potential mental health struggles and the statewide alerts following his alleged threats raises questions about existing gun safety laws and what else could have been done to prevent this tragedy. Do you hear that? The knee-jerk reaction to say, what more laws could we pass to punish every peaceable citizen for this man's behavior? A man willing to murder people. No accountability for the police who were warned. No accountability for the killer himself. Just blame peaceable citizens and inanimate objects. Chief Clemens defended his department's response to the alert about Card, which he described as a, quote, generic thing that came out saying, hey, you know, we've had some reports this guy made some veiled threats. The nonchalance, you guys. A, a strong mental health cloud. Don't don't keep don't forget that part. He also added that such alerts are not uncommon. And while he said his team did their due diligence and looked for card, they never came across him, never came in contact with this guy, never received any phone calls from the reserve center saying, Hey, we got somebody who was causing a problem, he said. We never got anything. Jonathan Crisp, a former Army lawyer, told the AP that when soldiers are committed involuntarily to mental health facilities, it is a reportable event under Army regulations setting off a network of alerts and subsequent restrictions. As it is supposed to work, he explained, an official notes the incident in a military database, which then alerts the FBI. 
So the agency can enter the name into a background list of people prevented from buying firearms. If they took him and didn't want to go, and he didn't want to go, and he refused to be admitted, it's a slam dunk, Crisp said. They should have been reported. This should have been reported. Uh, The Biden administration has issued a federal plan to remove all remaining oil and gas infrastructure located off the California coast once they stop producing. The Department of the Interior's Bureau of Safety and Environment Enforcement, or the BSEE, published a pragmatic environmental impact statement which is the P-E-I-S, it just amazes me sometimes when I read these articles, for oil and gas decommissioning activities on the Pacific Outer Continental Shelf. The filing formally recommends a plan ensuring no fossil fuel infrastructure remains off California's coast that could interfere with other offshore operations like navigation and commercial fisheries. We completed a robust analysis based on sound science, tribal consultation, public input, and the best available information, Bruce Hessen, BSEE's Pacific Region Director, said in a statement. This final PEIS provides BSEE with important guidance on future decommissioning applications for the complete removal and disposal of oil and gas platforms, associated pipelines, and other facilities offshore. Overall, 23 oil and gas drilling platforms, which have been standing for decades, are located in, quote, federal waters off the coast of California, according to the California State 8 of the platforms stand unused. Under the BSEE action, announced the agency chose a proposal involving the complete removal of the platforms, topside conductors, the platform jacket, to at least 15 feet below the mudline, pipelines, power cables, and other subsea infrastructure. The plan to remove the platforms comes as federal offshore California drilling activities continue to dwindle to near zero levels. As of 2021, Less than 11,000 barrels of crude oil were produced per day in the region, down 94% compared to its peak in the 1990s. The Biden administration proposed a plan late last month to hold the fewest number of offshore oil drilling leases in the U.S. history as part of a five-year plan that ends in 2029. The plan includes just three lease sales, which would all take place in the Gulf of Mexico. A Trump administration version of the plan laid out six lease sales off the coast of California. The Biden-Harris administration is committed to building a clean energy future that ensures America's energy independence. Interior Secretary Deb Haaland said on September 29th, the proposed final program, which represents the smallest number of oil and gas lease sales in history sets a course for the department to support the growing offshore wind industry and protect against the potential for environmental damage and adverse impacts to coastal communities. This gives me such warm fuzzies 
I'm so glad that they have our best interests at heart, especially with the comprehensive study that just came out that found that the total cost of running electric vehicles is significantly higher than commonly believed. Brent Bennett and Jason Isaac issued their report for the Texas Public Policy Foundation, pointing out that advocates for electric vehicles claim the vehicles require lower maintenance, lower fueling costs um, than traditional vehicles, and future reductions in battery prices will make them less expensive. But, they argue, no one has attempted to calculate the full financial benefit of the wide array of direct subsidies, regulatory credits, and subsidized infrastructure that contribute to the economic viability of electric vehicles. They give evidence that the average model year 2021 electric vehicle would cost $48,698 more to own over a 10-year period without the $22 billion in government favors that are given to electric vehicle manufacturers and owners. Adding, the cost of the subsidies to the true cost of fueling an electric vehicle would equate to an electric vehicle owner paying 17.33 cents per gallon of gasoline. $17.33 per gallon. And these estimates do not include the hundreds of billions more in subsidies in the Inflation Reduction Act for various aspects of the electric vehicle supply chain, particularly battery manufacturing. Nearly $22 billion in federal and state subsidies and regulatory credits suppress the retail price of electric vehicles by an average of almost $50,000. Car lots are swelling with unsold electric vehicles. Ford Motor Company is losing over $70,000 on each electric vehicle that it currently sells. When we pay for a gallon of gasoline, we're paying for the entire infrastructure to refine, transport, and market that gasoline. When an electric vehicle owner connects the electric to the electric grid, how much are they paying for the extra generation, transmission, and distribution costs that they are imposing on the grid? And will those embedded costs rise over time? They conclude... The stark reality for proponents of electric vehicles and for the dreamers in the federal government who are using fuel economy regulations to force manufacturers to produce even more electric vehicles is that the true cost of an electric vehicle is in no way close to a comparable internal combustion engine vehicle. Our conservative estimate, meaning theirs, is that the average electric vehicle accrues $48,698 in subsidies and $4,569 in extra charging and electricity costs over a 10-year period for a total cost of $53,267 or $16.12 per equivalent gallon of gasoline. Without increased and sustained government favors, 
Electric vehicles will remain even more expensive than combustion vehicles for many years to come. Color me shocked. Um, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis has defended his call to ban pro-Palestinian groups from Florida State Colleges Sunday after one of his Republican presidential primary opponents, Vivek Ramaswamy, slammed the demand as a shameful political ploy. DeSantis, though, held firm. This is not cancel culture. This group, they themselves, said in the aftermath of the Hamas attack that they don't just stand in solidarity, that they are part of this Hamas movement. You have a right to go out and demonstrate, but you cannot provide material support to terrorism. They've linked themselves to Hamas, and so we absolutely decertified them. They should not get one red cent of taxpayer dollars, he added, referencing a state law that prevents people from giving aid or assistance to terrorist organizations. DeSantis last week had Ray Rodriguez, chancellor of Florida's university system, order state universities to shut down campus chapters of Students for Justice in Palestine. When pressed by Kristen Welker about whether or not he had seen evidence that these pro-Palestinian groups were providing such support, DeSantis cited protesters' words. Quote, Their own words are saying they're part of this organization, and they don't just stand in solidarity, that they don't just support what they did, but that this is their movement too, he said. I could not disagree more with DeSantis in this situation. The First Amendment illustrates that Congress can make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting its free exercise. It protects freedom of speech, the press, assembly, and the right to petition the government for a redress of grievances. DeSantis, conflating support for Palestinian people versus support for Hamas terrorists is no better than the United States government calling me a domestic extremist for speaking out against the Biden administration. As the battles are fought in the political arena, pay close attention that rather than defeating the enemy, one does not instead become the enemy. No matter how much you don't like the words coming out of their mouths, they absolutely have the right to say them. They have the right to assemble. They have the right to petition the government for a redress of grievances. They have just as much right as the January 6th protesters or rioters or whatever you want to call them. That is what makes this country the best country in the world. And if you start doing the same thing that is currently being done by, in this case, opposition party, You are no better than them. And the only people that don't benefit from that are the citizens on both sides of the fence. Okay, last story of the day. Within the scientific community, it had been a long-held belief 
that our human ancestors first arrived in the Americas around 15,000 years ago, a few thousand years before rising ocean levels washed over the land bridge that connected modern-day Alaska and Russia. But recent findings in New Mexico have upended these views, though they have not been without controversy. New research originally reported in the journal Science in 2021 with additional data that was published in the same journal just last week has put the first human fossils at 21,000 to 23,000 years ago, a good six to 8,000 years earlier than what was previously believed. The 2021 paper was credited to a team of 15 authors, led by Matthew Bennett of Bournemouth University in Poole, United Kingdom. The more recent report was published by a team of 11 led by Jeffrey Pagotti and Kathleen Springer, both from the United States Geological Survey in Denver, Colorado. The new theories came with the discovery of fossilized human footprints in White Sands National Park in New Mexico, near the edge of a primordial label, uh, labeled, or lake bed, I'm sorry, not labeled, lake bed that has long since evaporated. The findings were initially contentious due to the dating techniques that were used. The level of appreciation that I have for the fact that an area on this continent is so little exposed and traveled on that footprints managed to stay fossilized and intact for 21 to 23,000 years. The doubts arose from the fact that the original dating may have absorbed ancient carbon from the lake, which could, in theory, throw off radiocarbon dating by thousands of years. More recent studies have utilized additional organic materials, ancient conifer pollen, and quartz grains from the same strata as the footprints to place the date of the fossils. These results have helped bolster the researchers' findings. This is a subject that has always been controversial controversial, because it's so significant. It's about how we understand the last chapter of the peopling of the world. Um, Thomas Urban, who is an archaeological scientist at Cornell University, was involved with the 2021 study, but not the more recent one. An independent geological archaeologist named Thomas Stafford told the AP that with data from the footprints, pollen, and quartz grains all yielding the same results, the new findings appear to be very credible. If three totally different methods converge around a single age range, that's very significant. Reach out and let me know your thoughts on this one. I would be curious to know how my audience feels about carbon dating and that we could have been hanging out here much longer than was previously suggested. That is everything yesterday, this morning. Please check out those Palmetto State Armory deals. Everything you buy comes back into the show and that helps me keep things running. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Like, share, subscribe, leave a review. 
If you enjoyed the show, you guys take care and have a wonderful Monday. If you like today's show, be sure to subscribe and turn on notifications so you never miss an episode. Also, please don't forget to check out shouseinthehouse.com and never forget that free men do not need permission from any government. Have a great day.